Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Any blessings to you? Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, we ask your blessings on this meeting today, that uh, everybody will understand what we're saying, what we're sharing. They'll have eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, thank you so much, Father. Amen. Okay, we're going to study the faith path in action. And uh, I'm going to share with you about Christ manifesting us first. And uh, I'm going to share with you a bunch of verses. So you'll see how Jesus is coming in this body. And Christ will manifest his life and ministry in us. Okay. Second Thessalonians 1, 10 through 12. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at in all them that believed because our testimony unto you was believed in that day. So he's looking at a day ahead and I say he's talking about these days because this is when great revelation is being revealed concerning this. So we're still coming out of the dark ages but uh, God will reveal the greater works in our day. And continuing with verse 11, uh, To which end we also pray always for you, that our God may count you worthy of your calling, and fulfill every desire of goodness and every work of faith with power. That sounds great, doesn't it? Do we have a desire for goodness? Well, hold on to it. Okay, verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Name means nature, character, and authority. May be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's God's plan, okay? Uh, One of my favorites, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So we have to see the end from the beginning. We have to call the things to be not as though they were, and we have to believe we have received Jesus. (laughs) Colossians 3 and 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, that means in the physical realm, uh, in us, then shall you also with them be manifested in glory. There it is. The proof of what I said. Uh, Galatians 4.19 My little children, of whom I am again in travail until Christ be formed in you. So they went back under the law and they lost this. And now he wants it back, right? Colossians 1.27 and 28 To whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery 
among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the only hope of glory, is Christ in you. Some people think religion in you will be enough. No, it won't. Whom we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Some people don't like that word, but it's a good word. Second uh, Corinthians four ten and 11. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested, that means in this realm, right, in our body, the life of Jesus manifested in our body, for we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That's the crucified life. That the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's very important that you understand that because so many deny that. Mortal flesh. Not immortal flesh. Not the new body. This body. Ephesians 3. 14 through 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inward man. All right. So that's a good prayer. We need to pray that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There it is. Not um, the modern-day Christ, but the original Christ, right? To the end that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. This last phrase here helps you to understand that the uh, breadth and length and height and depth is all of Christ. Apprehend, it uses the word. Apprehend, okay? Not comprehend. We'll look at that later. Ephesians four eleven through 15 says, And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. There's that word again. Okay, God uses it, we can use it. Okay, some people say, you believe in perfection? I believe what the Bible says, right? For the perfecting of the saints, unto the work of ministering, unto the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, there it is again. Some don't believe that. Well, they can't have it unless they believe it. It's be it unto you according to your faith, right? Verse 14, That we may be no longer children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, in craftiness after the wiles of errors. Plenty of that out there. But speaking truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Well, there you go. Maturity is having Christ manifest in you. We'll talk more about manifest, but it means basically 
uh, in this case, it says in you, and that is Christ manifest in you. That means in this physical realm. Okay, 1 John two twenty eight says, And now, my little children, abide in him, that if he shall be manifested, that's what the original says, if, he, not when, because it's not talking about a rapture, okay, if he shall be manifested. And the three most ancient manuscripts of the New Testament, the Nestles, uh, the ASV, the RV, uh, the numeric uh, New Testament agree to this translation. If he shall be manifested, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, this clearly means that if he shall be manifested in us, we won't be ashamed when we see him, right? First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it's not yet made manifest what we shall be, but we know that if he shall be manifested, again, that if word is in there, and this uh, means manifested in us, Second uh, Corinthians 4, 10 and 11, and the three most ancient manuscripts of the New Testament, and the Nestles text, and the Received text, and the ASV, and the RV, and the numeric New Testament agree on this translation. Uh, we shall be like him. Wow. We shall be like him. If he shall be manifested, that means we shall be like him. For we shall see him even as he is. We have to set our sights high, not lower the bar like religion does, right? So notice that we must see the real Jesus to be like him. The apostates, Jesus, is nothing like him. And so they do not walk as he walked, right? Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So this verse shows us that if we see him as he is, in the mirror by faith, then we will manifest his glory. And according to quantum physics or mechanics, we must see what we want and believe we have received it in order to have it. And Jesus said, do this in every prayer, Mark 11 and 24, right? Believe you have received. Christ exchanged his life for ours at the cross, Colossians 1, 22 and 23 says, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish unreprovable before him. If so be that you continue in the faith, you must endure in the faith to the end, that Christ is yours, exchange has been made, which is what reconciled means, the exchange has been made. His life is now your life, and your old life is nailed on that cross. Grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, that's the condition, which you heard, which was preached in all creation under heaven. So that's why we must see him in the mirror by faith in order to manifest him. And Galatians 2 and 20, good confession here. 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me, a confession of faith. Okay? It's no longer I that live, Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So this kind of faith is accounted as righteousness until righteousness is manifested in bearing fruit. And it is the fruit of Christ, not other people. So he who sees uh, his natural face in the mirror, the Bible says, will be a hearer but not a doer because they will not have power to obey. That's James 1 and 23. And Colossians 3 and 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, uh, that's in us, the same as above, then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory. Now notice that the life of Christ is his glory, and it is manifested in our mortal flesh. Second Corinthians 4.11 for we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So they are without excuse to say, well, we just we leave here and we get perfected in heaven. No, you bear fruit here. All the plants have to be planted in the dirt. And that's where they bear fruit. Well, notice that uh, mortal flesh on the earth, not glorified bodies, the false prophet has told us that we have to settle for being forgiven sinners in this life instead of overcoming sons of God. For many deceivers are gone forth into the world, even they that confess not that Jesus Christ cometh in the flesh. So this means in the true believer's flesh, right? Second John 7. So, note is come, or has come in the flesh, has no foundation in the ancient manuscripts. The received text, or the Nestle's text, or numerics. Paul prayed in Ephesians three eighteen and 19 that they may be strong to apprehend, not to comprehend, as the King James says. Wrong, wrong. Strong to apprehend the ancient manuscripts. Uh, agree with this. Um, the received text, Nestle's text, and the numerics agree. The uh, the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ, of course, and be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is God's promise. He's making sons of God, not sons of men. You've already become a son of man through Adam but you can only become a son of God through the last Adam, Jesus Christ. He's the father of the born-again creation. And he means born again, not shaking a preacher's hand or accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. He means born again. And according to Paul in Ephesians four eleven through 15, the five-fold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. And a little further, unto a full-grown man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. 
Through faith in the promises, we cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. You can pick up a lot of that in churches. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Perfecting holiness. 2 Thessalonians 1, 10 through 12 says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at in all them that believe, because our testimony unto you was believed in that day. So he's looking down the road towards a time when people get these revelations and believe him. Okay. 11. To which end we also pray always for you that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness and every work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus, that's nature, character, and authority, of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And So it's not according to our abilities, it's according to the grace of our God. Can he do it? Well, yes, he can. Okay. So be diligent in this faith and uh, until he comes, and you will bear the fruit of his works and have great reward. So most of you know, but I want to briefly explain the manifest in these texts means to appear in the physical realm. When we come to Christ, we accept all of his benefits by faith. Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, while the evidence is not yet seen, right? And we do that until the sacrifice is manifested in our lives as fruit, the fruit of Christ. And according to the parable of the sower, the seed is sown in the heart, but only one out of four is good ground and brings forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. The fruit here is Christ not other souls, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, he is the seed, uh, sperma, the Greek word is, of the Word, and each seed brings forth after its own kind, not another Jesus. What's, what is happening in you is the Jesus is coming to be manifested in you. Romans eight twenty four and 25, For in hope, which in Greek means a firm expectation, were we saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopeth for that which he seeth? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Yes, we are. We're patiently awaiting this fullness. And in other words, we wait for the full manifestation of our salvation. And what does it look like? Jesus in the mirror. <laughs> And uh, when we come to Christ, we receive a new spirit, but our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, needs transforming. And that happens as we follow that spirit while it follows the Holy Spirit. Romans 12 and 2. Be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can you be in the perfect will of God? It says so. By faith we say with Paul, Galatians 2 and 20, I'll say it again. I have been crucified with Christ. That means your old man's gone. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. 
And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So as we make this confession of our faith, it will be continually manifested in us, for we are justified by faith. That means we are accounted righteous by that faith. And the Holy Spirit gives power to those who believe. If we don't repent and believe the word, we cannot have what it says. As long as we are walking by faith in the word, we are acceptable to God, for faith is accounted as righteousness, as the Bible says. And Jesus told his disciples in uh, Luke 6 and 40, The disciple is not above his teacher, but every one when he is perfected, oh, there it is again, shall be as his teacher. Christ wants to live and be seen or manifested in us. That's what he wants. And as we repent, when we see the word, we permit this to happen. We uh, give good ground to the seed and bear his fruit. And Luke uh, 9, 23 and 24 says, And he said unto all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And first, uh, Second Peter 1 and 19 says, And we have the word of prophecy made more sure, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a lamp shining in a dark place. He's talking about the dark place of the soul. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So this is the manifested glory of Christ. And Second Peter 1, 9-11 says, For he that lacketh these things is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten the cleansing from his old sins. Were your old sins taken away? Of course they were. Okay, do you believe that they're still there? Well, then you don't believe they were taken away. <laughs> 10. Wherefore, brethren, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never stumble. For thus shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Woohoo! Hallelujah! James 1 and 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. Not Jesus' face. People do that. They look in the mirror and they see their natural face and woe is me and there's that pimple and so on and so forth. But if we don't see Jesus in the mirror, then that is not faith. And we will not be a doer of the word. A doer of the word is manifesting Christ. So, I received uh, an objection uh, to a letter I sent out one time, Christ in You, from a brother, and I'm using the word perfection as the Greek word implies, to be mature or full-grown. And here's the objection. Dave, are you suggesting that the word teaches perfection can be attained in this life? What did I just read? <laughs> Your quote, he says, 
perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 would seem to indicate strongly that it is an ongoing process known in scriptures as sanctification. Yes. Not accomplished in this life. No. That's not what we just got through reading. Paul said, not as if I had already attained. He's not saying he manifested it at that time, but he was stretching forward, right? Paul continues that he is still pursuing that higher life which is found in Christ, who is in us. We just saw that. And 1 John says that if we say we sin uh, not, we lie. That's if we sin and we say we sin not, we lie. We must uh, be careful to differentiate between the goal we strive for, he says, um, as close to the life of Jesus as possible, and claiming sinless perfection. Hmm. So try as you may and believe as, as much as you wish does not erase the old man. We must constantly fight against, he says. That fight is by faith, of course, in Christ. So here's my answer to, you know, his comments. I hope you will read this carefully because, as you can see, it is the Word of God. We can't reject any scripture and still say we have the truth. We cannot pick the verses we like in order to justify our religion. The sum of thy words is truth. Uh, the whole verse says this, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This is not talking to somebody who's in the new body and doesn't have a problem with sin. Okay? Second Corinthians 7 and 1. All we have to do is to believe that what it says without invoking the curse for adding to the word. And we are commanded here to use the word of God to separate from worldly thinking and actions. Look at what the following scriptures say. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. He's telling you how to uh, arrive at sanctification, right? That you abstain from fornication, that each one of you know how to possess himself of his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, even as the Gentiles who know not God, that no man transgress and wrong his brother in the matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all of these things, as also we forewarned you and testified. For God called us not for uncleanness, but in sanctification. Okay, so here's where we have to get our sanctification, right? It's all over when you leave this life. 8. Therefore, he that rejecteth, rejecteth not man, but God, who giveth his Holy Spirit unto you. So how can sanctification not be attainable in this life when Scripture says in Hebrews 12, 14, and 15, 
follow after peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no man shall see the Lord. So you have to have your sanctification before you can see the Lord. So looking carefully, lest there be any man that falleth short of the grace of God. Well, holiness and sanctification are the same Greek word. A person who does not believe uh, it is attainable cannot receive it because we receive it by faith. Second Corinthians 4.11 For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In Ephesians 3.18-20 that we may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, in other words, all of Christ, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, notice, you think God can't do this? You say, men can't do this? Well, I agree. But do you think God can't do this? It says, to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That's not us. That's him. Ephesians 4.12 For the perfecting of the saints unto the work of ministering, unto the building up of the body of Christ till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How can you twist that? That we may be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in craftiness after the wiles of error, that's why that's where all this garbage teaching has come from, right? But speaking truth in love may grow up in all things into him, in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. And Colossians 1 and 22 and 23. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. If so be that you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein also you stand, and by which also you are saved. Actually, it says, are being saved. All right. If... You hold fast the word which I preached unto you, except you believed in vain. There are many people who believe in vain, because they're not, they're not basing it on the true gospel. We're justified by faith in the sanctification given us at the cross. And that faith continually brings us into manifest sanctification. Faith is accounted as righteousness until righteousness is manifested in us. In other words, come to pass in this life, right? And in this way, a person can continue under the grace of God as he bears fruit. 
Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, 1 John 5 and 4. And faith is calling the things that are not as though they were. You're saying it's done. It's done. It was done at the cross, Romans 4 and 17. And that's until they come to pass. We continue to believe and confess Him until it comes to pass. We must be seeing that His divine power hath granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, whereby He's granted unto us His precious and exceeding great promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world by lust. His plan is for us to escape lust here. That's Second Peter 1. And 34, Christ made you free from sin, quote-unquote, Romans 6, 18 and 22. So why should you live any longer therein? Verse 22, for you were delivered out of the power of darkness, Colossians 1 and 13. So, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. And let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Oh, no. Yes. Can you read? <laughs> let not sin therefore. Why? Because you have faith to believe. Let it not reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lusts thereof. Romans six eleven and 12. If you live after the flesh, you must die. Some people say you don't have any choice. Well, they're not paying attention. If you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, that's God's power, you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans eight, thirteen and 14. So, believe God's promises and escape the lusts of the flesh. Clearly, it's what we're being seeing here. Um, and having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. 1 John 2, 1-6. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you may not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Don't say you can't keep his commandments. You're not a believer. If, if, if you believe that. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily hath the love of God been perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. That's what we're here to do. Walk as Jesus walked. So the religions of this day have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, which is a license to do what you want to do. 
And as we can see from the the verses, uh, grace delivers us from sin, not just covers it up. The blood covers our ignorance until we see the light. James 4 and 17 says, To him therefore that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Hebrews 10.26 For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fierceness of fire which shall devour the adversaries. So, some sins are done in ignorance and are therefore not willful. And uh, these are covered by the blood. And for the other sins, we will obviously get chastening until we hopefully repent. Romans 5 and 13 says, For unto the, until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So you may have sinned a sin of ignorance. In other words, not knowing the law. But under grace, God does not reckon it as sin. And that's why we cannot say we have no sin. 1 John 1 and 8. We are ignorant of many things that are against His perfect will. And when we get light, then we are responsible. We don't want to sin willfully because there's no sacrifice for sin, the Bible says. You have to take the punishment then. When does the blood not just cover but wash away the very nature of sin? 1 John 1, 5-7 And this is the message which we have heard from Him and announce unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Abide in Him. That's the answer, right? And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Now we don't have to be content with forgiveness because Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away, not just covers up, the sins of the world. Many of God's people are still living with Old Testament benefits because they don't believe the gospel. He taketh away. Right? <clears throat> so I hope that this answer benefits you as it did him and uh, in Jesus' name. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to call this One with Jesus, Anonymous, 6-22-23. Last night I tried going to sleep, but God wouldn't let me until I wrote this down. And I asked God if He really wants me to write it down to have some dogs bark, which I don't hear often. And as soon as I thought this in my mind, multiple dogs started barking. And after I wrote it down on my phone, I instantly fell asleep. Praise God. So she couldn't sleep until she wrote it down, right? And when I had this experience, everything I wrote, I felt and saw as if it had fully manifested. And it was so real and alive and true. And I desire 
that I could have stayed in this experience. It was maybe like 10 to 30 seconds of seeing and feeling all of this, and it was so real, and I am so excited for us all to have this connection with God uh, every moment, no matter what is going on, and to have His holy connection with each other and being one together without spot or blemish. I was praying in tongues, and I saw that very soon we are all going to be so connected to God, uh, we already are by faith, but it will physically manifest, be so connected to God that we hear His voice extremely clear every moment. My sheep hear my voice, He said. Don't say, no, you can't hear the voice of God. You're crazy if you do. (laughs) Okay, so... uh, And we know it is Him without doubt and unbelief that we will constantly be speaking to Him back and forth more than we speak to any human. Um, When awake and asleep, our soul will be communing with Him just as the Holy Spirit does. That the flesh will be so suppressed and submissive to the Holy Spirit and we will be so in tune with God We know and obey what He wants with extreme joy in every moment, without complaint and without the flesh trying to stop us. We will have such boldness to have Him speak through us with no fear of man or fear of rejection. And she says these things that try to hinder us from being and living as Jesus won't even try to hinder us anymore that we will know 100% that He is in us and all around us, and we are one with Him. Him literally here uh, in this physical flesh, and the flesh in agreement without hindrance. That we would know and be living and breathing His Word, not from our own works, but in His strength. It will be from His Spirit and grace in our soul, uh, in our flesh. Every second we will know it is His grace and we will rest beyond understanding because we are in Him and uh, Him in us no matter what's going on around us. You say, that's what Jesus experienced. That's right. And He is going to live in us manifestly, you see. Our soul will be fully content with this, and nothing can stop it, and the flesh will submit, that we will know Jesus' authority in us over the enemy, and the enemy will flee with one word or thought, because it's just Jesus in us. No more struggling with the flesh, but just being in Him, that we can constantly Freely praise and worship Him every moment with no temptation to complain, murmur, or doubt. That our soul is completely free to praise as the Holy Spirit does and free to worship God with our body physically, being submitted to doing all God wants. And all of this while on earth and in this physical body, alive in Christ, 
I saw that the brethren will be in complete unity because of Jesus in them, and the enemy won't be able to get in the way of this oneness in Christ. No jealousy, no pride, no rejection, no battles of the flesh, but pure holy love one to another, loving each other even as love uh, we love ourselves, and serving each other as Christ serves. And we will be one with no separation, no superiority, equal together in Christ. All different members, but all one body, working together in unity, like the human body. So, so connected, it's as if we are reading each other's mind, and in agreement in our minds and souls and spirit, and the flesh is submitted. That everything flows perfectly because we all are constantly connected and in tune with God and in tune with each other. That our faith is complete with God, that we have not even a tiny doubt, and we know that what we ask, we immediately receive because it's Christ in us. You know, see, people say, well, how come we don't see immediate manifestations like Jesus did? It's coming. <laughs> because he is coming in his people before he comes for his people. And that first fruits of that will be the man-child ministry. So that what we command and speak into the physical is immediately manifested because Jesus in us is communing with Father every second. The enemy doesn't even try his normal tactics of unclean thoughts and feelings because he knows we won't even accept or look at it. I knew that we will see and experience things we can't even imagine right now. But it is all for God's glory, and it will be uh, only Jesus in us. We can't do anything to make this happen, but have faith in His grace to do it through us for His glory. Everything is for Him, and now and forever. My husband prayed about this and heard, You are now in a new level of training. This is an exercise of the tests and application of my word. Uh, speak and hold to the miracles I have promised. Many are showing others who are younger in their walk to do this when in doubt or with little experience. See how one who prays and praises in faith can move a miracle. Then others will try in their belief. And suddenly the power will multiply, and through many more people. It's a geometric progression. It's just going to spread, right? It will spread and go beyond even the first person who prayed uh, leading by example. And the effects go to areas and new heights where no one had even thought. It will go beyond the imagination or thoughts of impossibility. You all are my vessel. I will flow through you all as a holy army. Thank you so much, Father, that you have uh, blessed us with this understanding. 
We ask, Lord, that the people will go back and study these verses, meditate on them, get them in their heart, and uh, and believe and understand what is being stated there. The the exceptions that the religion throws in front of us just don't hold water when you put them up to the light of God's Word. Thank you, Father, for doing that. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Michael Hare is going to come. We ask you to bless him, Father, and bless everyone that joins um, and that they receive a mighty blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Good night. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. It's good to be back with you again. Let's go to the war. Let's go to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for being our our God and our Savior. We praise you, Father, so much for the relationship that you've given us for you to you, Lord. We thank you so much for your kindness. We thank you so much that we don't live under that old covenant. And we thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. The outpouring of your spirit to empower us to be those things that we can never be otherwise. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not us, but it's Christ in us who does the work. We praise you for that, Lord. We ask, Father, that you uh, help us today to get this word out of faith, uh, to believe what the word says. And we praise you and thank you for it, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to talk about today about the things that we talk about as a Christian. When you've done all to stand, stand is the title of my study today. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35, an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And if you want to know those evil things he's talking about, the 13th chapter of Numbers tells us what God called an evil report. The spies were sent in to spy out the land. And 10 of them came back and gave an evil report. They told what they saw, what they heard, and what they felt. Now, what was so evil about that? Well, it's the fact that what they heard, what they saw, and what they felt was exactly contrary to what God had said. God said, I've given you the land. And what they were supposed to do was go over there and plan their strategy on how they would take that land from the enemy for themselves. They were not to go over there and see if they could take it. They were to go there and decide how they were going to do it. And what happened? They came back and they said, Whoa, my goodness, there's giants over there. Because we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, thank God. If faith will move a mountain, it'll whittle a giant down to size, glory to God. God said the things they saw, the things they heard, and the things they felt were an evil report. We've all done it. We've, we've been given, uh, going to the God and giving him an evil report. And we said in our prayers, it didn't work, Lord. It's getting worse. I prayed and it didn't work out. Well, what makes you think it didn't work out? We say, 
Well, you see, it looks worse. And I feel like things are getting worse. Folks, that's an evil report against the word of God. You're not to be moved by what you see, what you feel, or what you hear. You're only to be moved by what the word of God says and say only what the word says. The word says it will work out. And all we need to do is stand on that. The Bible says, and having done all to stand, stand therefore in Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. It didn't say turn and run. It didn't say give up and say, dear Lord, it ain't working. It says, when you've done all to stand, stand, just stand there. You mean don't do anything? Yeah, that's what I mean. Just stand there. Somebody might say, well, what will I do? I prayed and it's just not working out. Well, the first thing to do is shut your mouth. (laughs) Second, just stand there. If you can't say something good, don't say anything. It'll work out if you have believed God. So we need to watch our words, don't we? A lot of times we've gotten off of faith and cast out God's word and started believing what the devil said. You release the ability of Satan when you start saying what he said. Did you know that fear activates the devil? And faith brings God on the scene. Before you ever make a confession that comes into your head, ask yourself, who said that? What is its source? And if it doesn't agree with the word, you know who said it. The devil said it. Don't quote it, because if you do, that's his deception. Did you know that the devil doesn't have any power over the believer? The only ability Satan can exercise over you is the ability to deceive you. If he can get you to believe his lies, He's got you playing right into his hands. And if you go quote what he said, brother, he can put it on you stiff and strong. And all your praying ain't going to help you any. And I want you to see that you've moved God out of your problem and moved Satan in by your confession. You've, you've said that you've made this confession. Lord, it's getting worse. It ain't getting any better. What you've done, you stopped God's ability right then. Immediately. Maybe it was just about to come into manifestation, but now what you've done, you have established Satan's word in the earth that it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. You have established Satan's word by your mouth. God's word says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalms 119.89. God's word is already settled in heaven. The word says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He didn't say keys to the kingdom. He said keys of the kingdom. And the problem with the church today is that most of them are binding their finances. They're binding their spiritual growth by saying the devil's hindering me. The devil just won't let me do what I want to do. Don't ask him. Don't ask the devil about it. Go ahead and do it. 
You see, sometimes we kind of butted up with him and communicated with him. And he's told us, he said, oh, you can't do that. And then we speak it out of our own mouth. Well, that devil been hindering me all week. I just can't get nothing done. Have you heard people say that the devil's so smart, he will just put one over on you before you know it, and he'll just come and foul things up before you even know it. I've heard him say that many times. What you just did with that confession is to release the ability of Satan to come in and put it over on you. You said it with your mouth. He comes up behind me when I don't know it. He just fouls the works up. Now, if God came in and stopped that, he would have to violate, violate his word because he said you can have what you say. And what you said is Satan smarter than I am. Then he comes in because you have indicated that Satan is smarter than God and he's more powerful than God. And you don't have a bit of scripture for that. But you do have plenty of scripture that says God is more powerful than the devil. And he will put you over every time you act on the word. God will do that. World overcoming faith dwells on the inside of each one of us. First John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever is begotten of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Glory to God. So you've got a lot of scripture to back you up in that, but you don't have any to back you up that Satan's smarter than God or smarter than you. When you are in Christ, you have access to the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Satan ain't all that smart, folks. Can you imagine somebody still fighting when he's already whipped? That's pretty stupid, ain't it? If you don't believe we have already run, all you got to do is go to the back of the book. First John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, my little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Revelation twelve eleven says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By what? The blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony. That's the word of their mouth. Did you notice that word overcame? The back of the book says that you won, praise God. Establish that and quit agreeing with the devil. Quit prolonging agony in your life. Get in this thing and agree with what God said because you have already won. It's not your fight. Jesus already fought it for you. And thank God he won. You ought to be able to see that. First John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever is begotten of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Praise God forevermore. Now, the authority of words. Let's go back to the 12th chapter of Matthew. Look at verse 36. Jesus is speaking now. Ain't nobody spoke with more authority than Jesus. Thank God. When Jesus spoke, he meant it. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. He never talked any foolishness. And he said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, 
And I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now that word idle means non-effective or non-working word. He said that every word you speak that's not working for you will have to be given account for you by you in the day of judgment. You know, when I saw that, I said, I'm going to start watching my words. I'd been saying a lot of those idle words and they weren't working for me. They were working against me, not for me. And he said, if they're not working for you, you will give account for them. Well, I wonder how that's going to happen. How's that going to work? Well, here's what I think is going to happen. Some folks are going to come to the judgment seat of Christ. And there they are about to get their reward. And the Lord's going to say, now look, here's what you could have had. Well, praise God. Praise the Lord. Then he says, but here's what you get. Uh Uh-oh. Have you ever wondered where those tears are going to come from that he said he would wipe away? Because you saw what you could have had. Then you saw what you're getting. And you're going to say, oh, but Lord, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done all of that. And he's going to say, see, if you had given to this missionary, souls could have been saved. If you had done this or you had done that, then you might come up and say, I didn't have the money. I didn't have to give. I wasn't able to do that. I'm not able to give this like I should. I couldn't get my hands on enough to give anyway. Here's what God's going to say. That's the same problem you were having on earth. You were agreeing with the devil. It's true. You didn't have the money in your possession. And then he's going to show you somebody else that said, here's a man who didn't have the money either. But he said, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. Therefore, I confess I have abundance. And there is no lack. I have all sufficiency of all things. The word says, I do. And I thank you, Father, for it. Therefore, I give it in faith. And Father, you will cause it to come to me in the name of Jesus. He got what he said, and here's his reward. He used his words wisely. And he'll say, if you would have said what I said, if you had agreed to what I said, you could have had a better reward. But you said what the devil said. You didn't lose your soul, but you lost your reward. You know, we're justified or we're condemned by our words. And you can see that words work for or against you. He said, you're going to be justified or condemned by the words of your mouth. And it says in Matthew 12 and 37, for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, actually, he's not talking about condemning you to hell. He's talking about things you can have in this life on earth and rewards of heaven. And we need to watch what we say to set a watch on our mouth, right? Now, in the third chapter of Romans, verses 3 and 4, the word says, For what if some were without faith? Shall their want of faith make of none effect the faithfulness of God? God forbid, yet let God be found true. But every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy words and mightest prevail when thou comest into judgment. 
In other words, he said that if somebody comes up with that old unbelief ripping off of them, like molasses off a syrup bucket, saying, I don't believe it's going to work this time. What he said was, let God be true, and that man a liar, that thou might be justified in thy words and might prevail when thou come into judgment. When you get to heaven, you're going to be judged on who you believe, God or man. Man says it's getting worse. You can't do that. And I'll tell you, it's not just the world that says that. There are a lot of Christians that I think sometimes they have been sprinkled with fear, rolled in doubt, stuffed with unbelief, and insulated to the Word of God. They'll believe everything but the Word of God. And some will sit there and swallow the enemy's biggest lie, but they won't believe God's simplest truth. They'll say, oh yeah, brother, I know that's in the Bible, but you don't understand. Yeah, I understand. If the word says it's working, well, bless God, it's going to work. And what you're saying is that the word don't work. You don't understand. I still hurt. But the word says that you're healed. Don't misunderstand, folks, what I'm saying. I don't deny that pain exists, nor I deny, nor do I deny the existence of disease, but I do deny its right to continue in my body, glory to God. Feelings change. The word does not change. If you don't feel healed, go to the word and get you some feelings, glory to God. The word of God in your spirit will change your physical feelings. There's a saying out there for Christians that truth can change fact. Well, the truth is the word and fact are the circumstances. Truth can change fact, but fact cannot change truth. And the word brings health. Glory to God. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. The word will bring health to the physical body. And the question is, if some didn't believe what you say concerning healings for your body or financial needs met, would that unbelief stop the God kind of faith from working? God forbid that ever from happening. Let man be liars but allow God's word to be proven true. Notice he said for you to allow the word to become truly manifested. Well, praise God, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings. Confession of the word. It says in Matthew 10, verse 32, Everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my father, who is in heaven. Now, what did he say? He said, those who will confess me before men, I'll confess before the Father who is in heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1. Jesus and his Word are, are the same thing. You can't separate them. And he implies that if you are confessing Jesus, you are confessing the word. He is the living word of God. 
He said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. In Greek, it could have read this way, Then I will give you an audience with the Father. In other words, he's going to uh, set you right up there before the Father, praise God. John said in 1 John 5 and 15, And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions which we have asked of him. In other words, if you get an audience with the Father, you're going to get your prayer answered. And Jesus said, if you confess me before men, confess my word before men, he said, you're going to get an audience before the Father. Glory to God. Sometimes we have confessed, I don't know what to do. That won't work. And I don't believe that's going to work out. Then we have prayed about it, believing in unbelief. And you don't get an audience with the Father with that kind of prayer. Did you know that you could believe in unbelief? Well, actually, there's a lot of people out there that have faith in unbelief. And that's what you're doing when you say, I can't do what the Word says I can do. <laughs> well, here's an example. The Word says that he, he that is born of God overcomes the world. He that is born of God overcomes the world. You have overcome because the greater one is in you. Now, if you deny that, you're in unbelief and have released faith in a negative statement. But I can't. I'm not able. Here's what Jesus said. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew 10.33 He said that he'll deny you. Now, Jesus is the go-between. And you need to see that. <coughs> Excuse me. He's making intercession for us. He is the high priest of our confession. Christ Jesus. Hebrews 3 and 1. And that means that Jesus confesses to the Father what we say as long as it agrees with the word. In other words, he said, if you confess my word before me and I'll confess what you say before the Father. And you'll get an audience before the Father. And he said, what you pray that agrees with the word, I'll see to it that it gets to the Father. And you'll have an audience with him. And then you'll get your prayer answered. But if you don't do it, he says, I'll deny you before the Father. It won't be transferred or transmitted to him. When you start praying and say, Lord, I prayed and it ain't working out. That's a statement of unbelief, and you have released faith in that unbelief. Jesus is not going to his father and say, Father, he prayed, but it ain't working out for him. That's against the word of God. I hope you can see that. And he will deny that statement before the father. When you pray that way, your prayer never gets to heaven. You can forget it. It ain't going nowhere. How many of you know God's word is wisdom? We find in the book of Proverbs that there are some things that we have stumbled over and have not looked upon because they're in the Old Testament. You see, a lot of times people say, well, you know, the Old Testament is just history. But Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived until Jesus showed up, 
wrote these proverbs. He said, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. So keep your spirit or your heart with all diligence, for the forces of life come from the heart. And that word heart refers to the center of man's being, which is his spirit. Now, here the writer of Proverbs Inspired of the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing that Jesus said. The good things come out of your heart or out of your spirit. Verse 24. Put away from thee a wayward mouth and perverse lip put far from thee. Or speaking contrary to what the word of God says. For the word is the wisdom of God. God's word is his wisdom. You know, when we speak contrary to God's word and say it's not working out. I prayed, but it's not working out. That's what God calls perverse speech. That's against the word of God. You know, God's word is his wisdom. First Corinthians 1 and 30 tells us that. When we speak contrary to his word and say it ain't working out, I prayed, but it's not working out. Folks, that's perverse speech, and that's against the word of God. So we need to watch our language. Proverbs 6 and 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Now understand this. Words work. And they will work for you just as they work for Jesus. They are working for you or against you, whether you realize it or not. Let me show you something before we go any further, how the words that you say are working. You know, I've had people come and say, I'm just so nervous. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Well, I can probably tell you that if you go in their home, you've heard most of them say no less than 10 times that day that those kids make me so nervous, they just drive me up the wall. Jesus said, you can have what you say. You know what? We have programmed our vocabulary with the devil's language. We have brought sickness and disease into our vocabulary and even death. The main word so many people use to express themselves is death. That word, death. Well, I'm just dying to do that, they'll say. I'm going to die if I don't. That just tickled me to death. Folks, that's perverse speech and it's contrary to God's word because death is of the devil Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 since the children are sharers in flesh and blood he also himself in like manner partook of the same that through death he might bring to naught him that had the power of death that is the devil Revelation 20 and 14 and death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death Folks, we don't need to buddy up with death. All men are going to die soon enough, so don't start buddying up with it now. You know, Adam was smarter than that. He took the, it took that devil 
over 900 years to kill him. But now the devil has programmed his language into the human race until people can kill themselves in about 70 years or less by speaking his words. When we say that tickle me to death, that's contrary to the word of God. So take notice to what the word says about the mouth and the tongue. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11 says, The mouth of a righteous man is a fountain of life. Glory to God. And then Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21, The lips of the righteous feed many. The foolish die for lack of understanding. 24, the fear of the wicked it shall come upon him and the desire of the righteous shall be granted. And the thing you fear will come upon you. Fear will activate Satan. Job activated Satan by his fear. Job 3.25, the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. So active faith in the word brings God on the scene. Fear brings Satan on the scene. Proverbs chapter 10 verses 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous bringeth forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue shall be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. The lips of the righteous, they know what is acceptable. What is acceptable in our speech? What God said. In fact, you'll find that when you begin to quote what God said. It's just as though God said it. And if you said it in faith, it's coming out your heart. And it's just as if God said it. And it'll work for you just like it worked for him. And if you program your spirit with the word of God, believe and doubt not in your heart, but believe that those things which you are saying, it will come to pass. You see, there's more to it than just saying it. The words must originate from the inner man where spiritual power is released through your words. Now, I want you to notice with me in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. The wicked have talked against their nation. And let me tell you, a lot of Christians have done the same thing. I've done it. They have said, all oh, that bunch of idiots up there, they don't know what they're doing. When they should have been saying and praying, thank God, I believe God, to give those men in Washington the wisdom of God to deal wisely with the affairs of our nation. If Christians wouldn't, would do that, it might change. It would change the situation in Washington. And some of us have started doing that. And that's already happening to some degree. God has started cleaning out some problem areas in our government right now. God has been brought on the scene because of faith-filled words. So we need to start saying, I thank God that the leaders of our nation have the wisdom of God. Pray for them daily. Father, give them the wisdom of God to deal wisely with the affairs of life and to protect the people of this nation. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 6 says, The words of the wicked are of lying in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. What's going to deliver them? The mouth of the upright. So deliverance is as close 
as your mouth is. The mouth contains the tongue that controls faith and fear. Words produce after their kind. And we need to understand this. And when we start speaking what God said, that devil going to sit up and take notice. God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Well, who's going to do it? We have always thought God was going to do it. God said, if, if you, if you will do my word, you have done it. And I'll see that it's performed. Well, I prayed, Father, you make this prosper. But I was not doing the word. God told me, he said, you do my word and it will prosper. He said, you have made your way prosperous. So we need to choose the words of life. Proverbs 12 and 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. The fruit of his mouth would be what his mouth produced, right? In other words, by the produce of his mouth, he will be satisfied or disappointed. The words of his mouth should cause him to be satisfied with good. And in that same chapter, it says in verse 17, he that utters truth shows forth righteousness. Well, what is truth? The word of God is truth, and it shows forth righteousness. Proverbs 12 and 18. There is that speaks righteously like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Now, you better get this one. This is stout. He said there are people speaking, and it's just like jabbing a sword in you and cutting you. And damaging you or damaging themselves. They are desiring something from God, but they're cutting themselves up spiritually by saying, Oh, I'm so unworthy. I can't get my prayers answered. I don't know why the Lord won't heal me. That, those are people who are unbelievers. They're using their tongues to destroy their faith and they're using their God-given ability to hold themselves in bondage because God gave you the ability to use your tongue to create a better life by speaking words that are full of faith. And the choice is ours whether you will speak them or not. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 30 and I'm going to read 9 through 19. O Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in all the work in thy, of thy hand in the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt obey the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of law. If thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not too hard for thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, and make us to hear it, that we may do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us and make us to hear it, that we may do it? 
but the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, that thou mayest live and multiply, and that the Lord thy God may bless thee in the land whither thou goest in to possess it. But if thy heart turn away, and thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land, whether thou passest over the Jordan to go in to possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that I have set before thee life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, choose life, that thou mayest live, thou and thy seed. Ooh, that's the tongue of the wise, isn't it? But the tongue of the wise is health. Praise God. The wise talk health. They talk life. They talk healing. Proverbs 12 and 21. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. The just know what is acceptable. They speak God's word concerning their deliverance. Psalms 107 and verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. They speak God's word in the face of apparent defeat. Romans 16 and 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Glory to God. Proverbs 13 and 2, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. The word said it will even change a grocery basket. <laughs> Glory to God. He shall live good by the fruit of his mouth. Did you know that shall, S-H-A-L-L, is one of the strongest words in the English language? That word shall doesn't mean maybe or sometimes. Have you ever said this? Oh, we just can't afford that. I can't make the money last to the end of the month. We just can't afford the things we need. Jesus said just the opposite. He said he came that you might have abundance. Some have said, yeah, but you don't understand. I don't have the money. Well, that's beside the point. Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to, kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal your finances. He comes to kill your faith and destroy your health. Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The little Greek reads that he might undo the works of the devil. Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that upon the Gentiles might come the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus. And we find in Deuteronomy the 28th through the 30th chapters that the curse of the law is threefold, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Poverty was part of the curse, and Christ redeemed us from it, glory to God. Now, you might not feel like you're redeemed from poverty. You may even look like you are. But again, that's beside the point. The Word says 
You are. Be smart enough to agree with God. Don't quote what the devil said. Glory to God. If God said I ought to have abundance, then bless God, I'm, I'm going to agree with him and I'm going to have abundance. Third John uh, chapter 2 said, or verse 2 said, Beloved, I pray that in all things thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Now, whether I ever get it or not, that's up to God. As long as I say what he said and do what he said do, I'm doing my part. And I'll guarantee you, you can you rest assured that God's going to do his part. Now, I didn't say go out there and write a bunch of hot checks. And I didn't say live above your means either. All I'm saying is speak God's word until it brings your means up to where you desire to live. Now, let's read in the New Testament, starting in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 20 through 26. But be ye doers of the word, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deleting your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goes away, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But he that looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so continues, being not a hearer that forgets, but a doer that works, this man shall be blessed in his doing. If any man thinks himself to be religious while he bridles not his tongue, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is vain. A lot of folks seem religious. They even have a religious tone of voice. But the word said, if he doesn't control his tongue, he'll destroy all that he said he believed. And you can say you believe the Bible, but if you don't control your tongue, it's going to cause the word to become ineffective. And as far as you are concerned, it will be just as though it didn't exist. The devil will come in forcibly and trample you in the dust as long as he controls your words. And you need to know what the word of God says about you. Determine now to know what the new covenant contract says about yourself. Start saying what the word says. If you want to walk in life and health, start speaking it. Confess it now. God will perfect that which concerns me. Psalms 138 and 8. Any man that seems to be religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and that man's religion is vain or empty. So watch your words. Choose words of life and health. And God's word is truth. Romans 3 verses 3 and 4. For what if some were without faith? Shall their want of faith make of none effect the faithfulness of God? God forbid. Yet let God be found true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy words, and mightest prevail when thou comest into judgment. Proverbs thirteen thirteen: Whoso despises the word brings destruction upon himself shall be destroyed because he has rejected the truth. You know, truth is the stabilizing force of life. And the word of God is truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, then are you truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus also said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus spoke spirit words and they became a stabilizing forces of life. Jesus spoke only that which he heard the Father say. He said in John chapter 5 and verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus spoke God's word continually. He was established in his Father's word. He overcame the world. He overcame the flesh and the devil by the spoken word. John sixteen thirty three. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Matthew 4, 4, 7, and 10 verses tell us that the only thing that Jesus used against the devil was the spoken word. He spoke the written word. It is written, devil. Well, oh, thank God, it's still written today. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. However, in book form, the word has no power until we read it or we speak it. Praise God. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46, it says this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now, Jesus is about to tell you how important it is to practice the word or to be a performer of the word. Verse 48, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Now I want you to notice this man dug deep and started building his foundation on something that was already established and was unshakable. What was that something? That was the word of God. His life was based upon God's word. And although they beat upon him, the flood and the stream couldn't shake him. Circumstances won't shake a man who believes the word of God. Psalms 112 and 7 says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. However, over in Luke chapter 6 and verse 49, it says, But he that hears and does not is like a man that built a house upon the earth without a foundation, against which the streams break, and straightway it fell in, and the run of that house was great. What caused this man to be defeated in life? It wasn't a flood, and it wasn't a stream. Actually, they had nothing to do with the destruction. He heard the same word, but his life was not based upon the word. He didn't do the word. He suffered great loss needlessly. Now, if you'll notice, it didn't say one was saved and the other was not. The indication is that both came unto him and both heard what he said. Today, many are born again and hear the word, but hearing the word is not the foundation spoken of in the above verses. Doing the word is the foundation that made man successful in life. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee. God's word is the only true knowledge. And it'll make you stable when the storms of life come upon you. Speaking God's word will bring God on the scene. Because he says in Jeremiah 1 and 12, I'll watch over my word to perform it. And to despise, reject, or even to disagree with the word opens the door to Satan. If you despise the word, you've invited destruction into your life. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous, he says in Proverbs thirteen twenty two. How many of you have read that scripture before? The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. And folks, it's beginning to change hands. When you and I begin to act on the Word of God, when we get our speech in line with the Word of God, we're going to see God move in our behalf. A lot of times we say, oh, it looks like the wicked prosper. Well, we said they were, and that's one reason they're prospering. Lord of God, quit saying it. You have said, oh, they can do just anything, and whatever they do will prosper. What you've been doing is releasing faith to prosper the wicked. The words of the believer are powerful when spoken in faith. Jesus said this. He said, all things are possible to him that believes. And too many times we have had more faith that the wicked would prosper than we did in God's word to put us over. And that's totally unscriptural. We read in Isaiah 54, verses 14 and 15, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Praise God. Behold, they may gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall because of thee. Now let's go down to verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, we need to make this our confession. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Psalms chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also doth not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And I want you to notice the word said, whatsoever you do shall prosper. He doesn't say whatsoever the wicked does. Verses 4 and 5 of the same chapter says this in Psalms 1. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So you can see that it is against the word of God to say the wicked prosper and I, and I suffer need. Don't be saying that. Learn to put the word into confession form. And confess this before you go any further. No weapon formed against me will prosper. 
but whatsoever I do will prosper. And all you need to do is say it again aloud and do it over and over. Let these words penetrate your spirit. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4 19. So we need to start agreeing with the word. Start agreeing with the word that your prosperity is sure, physically, spiritually, and financially. The third epistle of John, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, don't start praying that the wicked will lose everything they have. That will get you into trouble. Just start confessing. Thank God the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And I thank God I am the just, and I'll get my part by acting on the word. They haven't acted on the word. And God said that the wicked shall be cut off. Their names will rot. They won't be found. Notice in Proverbs 14 and 3, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. The lips of the wise shall pres- will preserve them. They will preserve him through financial crisis. They will preserve him when they say there's a recession or a depression. His lips will preserve him if he confesses what the word says and if he acts on the word. Now let's look at creative ability. The tongue of the wise uttereth knowledge all right. Proverbs 15 and 2. The knowledge that we have, we are to use it all right or rightly. The tongue of the wise utters knowledge. It is the tongue that makes good use of knowledge. Proverbs 15, 4 says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. A gentle tongue will bring healing as a tree of life. The wholesome tongue has that creative ability. Now down to verse 13. A glad heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The word says, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. And we've prayed a lot of times, Oh Lord, just break me, break me, break me. He don't want you broken. He wants you acting on the word. Now notice over in verse 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Oh, thank God forevermore. He that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Then, I didn't laugh until I thought I'd die. I laughed until I knew I would live forever and have a feast while I'm doing it. Praise God. The word says he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Psalms 23 and 5. And oh, praise God, you can have it now, folks, here on this earth. You start confessing what the word of God says about your life and the way God wants you to live, and you'll start walking in it. I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing. Can quench my thirsting soul. Purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you.
shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, sacred heart in you, I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus. Jesus.